Jesus' most personal and powerful teachings are conversations with his disciples in the book of John. Nowhere else is his instruction both so simple and so deep. Take your place in the upper room to hear the heart of God that still speaks today. The story is of a man who is taking a, uh, a trip with a very heavy load on his shoulders. In fact, he's really weighted down by this weight. And he's on a country road and he's making his way to a town that's many miles away. It's hot and he's struggling. After a while, a truck is driving by and sees the man, sees that he's struggling, pulls over in front of him and says, hey, can I offer you a ride? And the man said, well, where are you going? And he says, well, I'm going to this village up the road. And the man said, that's exactly where I'm going. I would love a ride. So he gets into the back of the truck. They drive a few miles. When the driver of the truck looks in his rearview mirror, and he's shocked. The man is back there, but he's not sitting down. He's still carrying the load on his shoulders. And when I read that, it struck me this is such a picture of us. The Bible says, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. But what most of us do is we care and carry our load on our, uh, for ourselves. And we are weighted down in our lives, and then we never give it to the Lord. We never look to the Lord for wisdom in our circumstances. We never follow the Lord when we see that wisdom. And so we wonder, why is the weight so heavy? Why is the strain so great? Well, this morning, what we're going to see as we continue our series, what we're going to see this morning are these extraordinary promises that God makes to us through Jesus. And the promise is that when Jesus goes to be with the Father, when he dies, and then he resurrects from the dead, and then he ascends back into heaven, Jesus says... I will not leave you alone. You will, not, you will not be orphans. I will come to you. Well, how is all of this going to happen? In this passage, what Jesus says is, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to go back to the passage we read last week. We're going to read a few more verses into it. But last week, what we focused on is the call to obey Jesus as an expression of our love for him. And I hope that you were challenged as I was challenged. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I have commanded. If you love me, you will do what I have asked you to do. You will live the life that I've asked you to live. If we are going to live well, if we are going to live well in this world, if we are going to be instruments of God's grace and his power to make a difference in this world, it means that we need to choose each and every one of us to follow Jesus and express love for him by putting our faith and trust in him, which is expressed in obedience to his commands. So 
If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to join me, follow along as I read. I'm going to begin where we began last week in verse 15, but this morning, instead of focusing on the commands of Jesus and loving Jesus through our obedience to those commands, what we want to do this morning is we want to focus on the incredible promises that Jesus makes with regard to the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, Jesus makes it clear that to experience this, we need to obey Jesus. To have the, the, the beautiful promises fulfilled in our lives, we need to love Jesus by obeying his commands. So, beginning in verse 15, we read this. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now think about that. What a promise. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the last point that we'll make this morning, we'll finish that passage. But I want to stop there. And I want us this morning to consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit. For what the Bible teaches is that the moment that we come to faith in Jesus, we receive his Holy Spirit. Comes to live within us, so that we are no longer orphans. Through the Holy Spirit, we experience the present presence of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit does His ministry in us and through us. And that ministry, number one, is to glorify Jesus. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. It's not to make your life easier. It's not to make your circumstances more palatable. It's to empower us and to strengthen us to live the life that God has created us to live so that Jesus is glorified, so that Jesus is honored, so that Jesus is exalted in our lives and through our lives. And we'll see how that works this morning. But everything the Spirit does in us and through us is to give glory to Jesus. We read on, and what we see 
is this morning I want you to understand this, that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are not talking about some kind of force, some kind of wind, often described in different ways as a fire. Now, he has expressed himself that way, but what we are talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. He is fully God, and he is the third person of the Trinity. And so we're not talking about a force. We're talking about a a person as the Bible describes him and the ministry that he does in us and through us to give glory to Jesus. Now, having said that, let me draw your attention to these extraordinary promises. And I want you to think deeply about what this means, and I want you to understand again that as we obey Jesus as an expression of our love for him, we experience more of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us. So here's the first thing that I want you to see this morning. And that is that Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit is going to be our advocate, our advocate. Now, it says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now, when he says, and I will ask the Father, the Father is the one who gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in our lives so that we can be in Jesus, so that we can live in the power of God, so that our lives can reflect the purposes of God. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. It's the Holy Spirit that gifts us for the sake of his kingdom. It's the Holy Spirit that strengthens us. It's the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. And so the promise is that we will receive this Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is going to say, I have to go to the Father. I have to die before you can receive this gift. And the reason for that is, is that we are sinful people. And God, a holy God, cannot live in a a vessel that is sinful. So Jesus goes to the cross. He dies on the cross. We receive the forgiveness of our sin. We receive the righteousness of Jesus. So as God looks at us, he sees us as holy, and now his spirit can dwell within us. This is why Jesus says, it is better for you that I go. Now, when I read that, I'm always like, no, Jesus, don't go. I want you here right now with me. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to walk with me. I want to hold you. I want to be held by you. I want to see you with my eyes. It's better for you that I go, Jesus said that you may receive the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit's role? Well, you see here, there's different words that are used, that we use to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. For example, we use the word here, advocate. Other places, you'll see the word, he's described as the comforter. He's described as the helper. And so there are different words to use that are describing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Now, the word, let's look at just a couple of these words because I want you to, um, to really grab on to what these words mean so that you understand what the role of the Holy Spirit is in your life. And as you choose to love Jesus through your obedience, 
the more you're going to experience this in your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Comforter. He's often described as a comforter. Now let's break that word down. C-O-M and comforter means with us. With us. The word forter is a word that it comes from the Latin word that means fortify. Fortification. So what happens is when we think of comforter in the English, we're thinking of somebody who comes by and consoles us, right? Maybe sends us a Hallmark card during a difficult season or pats us on the back and tells us it's, us it's going to be okay. That is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside us to fortify us, to make us a fortification in the midst of the struggles of life, to fortify us that we can stand firm for Jesus when things are challenging, when things are hard, to fortify our faith when we're struggling with our faith. He comes as the comforter to fortify us, to strengthen us in the midst of our struggles. Friends, I don't want to be, I don't want somebody, to, the Holy Spirit to just sympathize with me. I don't want the Holy Spirit simply to console me. I need the Holy Spirit to fortify me. To be a fortification around my heart and my soul and my mind. That I can stand strong in the midst of life. And when I stand strong and you stand strong in life, Jesus is glorified. Second word is the Greek word parakletos. And parakletos is a word that simply means alongside, one who is called to come alongside. The para is where we get alongside. So think of paramedic. What is a paramedic? A medic who comes alongside to provide medical assistance. What is a paralegal? Uh, somebody who has some knowledge of law to come alongside of us. The parakletos is how, G, uh, how the Holy Spirit is often described. It's the Greek word often used to describe the Holy Spirit. Para, to come alongside. Kletos, called. Called by whom? Well, we already saw. Jesus asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit to those who believe. So he is one, the Holy Spirit is one who is called to come alongside you and me in our lives. For what purpose? Well, we see throughout the scriptures, and I'll share more in a moment, but it's to strengthen us. It's to strengthen our faith. It's to give us guidance. It's to help us to stand firm. It's to give, do all of these things. It's to gift us so that we can make a difference, an eternal difference in the world. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not leave you as an orphan, he said. I am sending to you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, who will come alongside you. And then the word that we find in this passage is the Latin word, advocate. That's where we get the English word advocate. It comes from the, the Greek, avocados. And it means, ad means alongside, vocados is vocation, called, called. Again, we get the sense uh, the Father calling the Holy Spirit to come and to live within you and me when we make the decision to follow Jesus. Does that make sense? 
This is incredible. And we have to understand this if we are going to live well in this world. And remember, we experience more and more of the fullness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit when we choose to love Jesus by obeying his commands. This is why throughout this passage, Jesus four different times says, if you love me, you obey my commands. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. These two things are intertwined, and which is why we're looking at the same passage from two vantage points and this morning bringing them together. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us in our lives? Well, this is incredibly powerful for us. I, I just made a list of some of the things that struck me. Just as I've experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, listen to this and what we see biblically. The Holy Spirit helps us when we're struggling with faith to fortify us, to strengthen us. The Holy Spirit fortifies us as we read the Bible or as we listen to biblical teaching. The Holy Spirit, who's called, as you'll see in a moment, the Spirit of Truth, helps us to understand what is true about the teaching we hear or what we are reading in the Bible. The role of the Holy Spirit is to help you to apply the teachings of the Bible to your life. The role of the Holy Spirit helps us when we are struggling with temptation or we're maybe caught in a sin and we just don't seem to be able to get out of it. It's the Holy Spirit that strengthens us by the ministry of the Father and the Son to set us free, to empower us to stand for what it is that God has called us to do and to be. The Holy Spirit strengthens us in service so that my simple service makes an eternal impact. Every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit. You're going to learn more about that for those of you who take Danny's shape class. You're going to hear more about that. If you're a believer, I don't care how old or how young you are, you are gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve the kingdom of God by using the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, what are those gifts? What, what do they do? Well, they impact the world. You see, I can't make an eternal difference. Only God can. All I can offer is words, but it's the Holy Spirit that takes those words, plants them in our hearts, and shows us how to live out that truth in our lives. It's extraordinary. Some of you have heard me say, I never, I never read the Bible and not get something out of it. Now, why is that true? Before I was a Christian, I would read the Bible, and it was just, okay, stories and things, but it wasn't changing me. When I came to Jesus, God gave me his spirit. His spirit helps me to understand and to see what I'm reading and to apply what I'm reading to my life, to change me. And then when I teach or preach, I, I pray that the spirit will talk to you, will reveal his truth to you and what he's saying to you this morning. The Holy Spirit strengthens us in service so that we continue even in the face of persecution. The Holy Spirit reminds me of what is true when I grow discouraged. The Holy Spirit takes my weak prayers and he strengthens them and he brings them before the Father. Wow. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you, which is why Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. 
Because now, instead of me being alongside you, now I'm with you. He says, I'm in you. He's in us through the Holy Spirit who enables us to connect with Jesus and the Father. Friends, this is amazing. This is amazing. And if I think if we could grasp on to what the Bible's teaching here, it would transform our lives. It would change the church of Jesus Christ forever. We read on, and the second point that I want you to see is the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth who lives in all who trust in Jesus. Listen to what we read in verse 17. The spirit of truth, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now listen to what it says. But you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. You see, when we come to Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, we come to know the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit works in our hearts, works in our lives, works in our minds, and we come to know Him, and through Him, we have fellowship with the Holy Trinity. Because through the Holy Spirit, God the Father and God the Son ministers to us as well. This is an amazing reality. If we were living at the time of Jesus, this would blow our minds. This was so far beyond anything we could have ever, that people could ever dream of. Remember that at that time that God was in a safe place where his holiness could not consume them. And it was in a little room called the Holy of Holies that was surrounded by that big, tall, thick curtain. What is God saying now? I remember that according to the Gospel of Matthew, that the moment that Jesus died, that curtain that separated us from God, what happened to it? It was torn from top to bottom. Only God could do that. It was too thick and too tall. God tore that, that curtain. Why? Because we don't have to hide from God anymore. God not only is present, but he lives in you and will be with you for an eternity. Friends, that's amazing. That's extraordinary. And I don't think we grab onto how extraordinary that really is. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit will teach us truth, will reveal truth to us. Now, do we need that? Oh boy, do we need that. We live in a, in a time which has been true for every generation, where there are false prophets, false teachers. Then we have what we deal with in the world is Satan works within our culture and encourages us to believe things that aren't true, encourages us to live according to philosophies that and worldviews that couldn't be further from what is true. Now what happens when I give my life to something that is false? I become a slave to that which is false. If I believe that my security only comes through the money that I have, then I become a slave to making money. I become a slave to making sure that my secure security is protected by my finances. 
But if I believe that Jesus Christ is my security, I'm no longer a slave to what happens in the market. I am a slave to Jesus, and I am free because Jesus will never stop loving me. He will never leave me or forsake me. He has already promised eternal security. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of this truth. It says in Colossians 2.8, one of my favorite passages, talks about, it warns us to not become slaves to the elementary philosophies of our world. Friends, you and I, we do that. I struggle with that. I spent a season of my life going back over my whole life and, and identifying these false philosophies, these false worldviews, that Satan has inspired me to grab onto. The spirit of truth reveals to me that's not true. That's wrong. Why give your life to that? That's only going to enslave you. It's not going to free you. Friends, the Holy Spirit is the, is, is the person of the Trinity that helps us to get free from these things. It's amazing. It's extraordinary. We read on, and we see that the Holy Spirit will teach and remind you of everything that Jesus has said. Listen to what it says here. But the advocate, remember what the advocate is. He's the one who has come to fortify us. He's the one who has come to strengthen us. He is the one who has come to help us, not that we will be successful in the world, but so that Jesus will be glorified. And we read on. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Friends, before I was a Christian, I read this. It was interesting. I read the Bible, portions, portions of the Bible. It was interesting to me, but it really didn't mean anything to me. And then, when I became a believer, and I grew in my faith, what I found was the Holy Spirit was working in my heart and my mind when I read his word. And I would see things that I've never, I hadn't seen before. I'd noticed things I hadn't noticed before. Because God is teaching me by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is illuminating my mind, illuminating my eyes, illuminating my heart, that I can comprehend what he's saying and understand how it relates to me. You know why I love teaching this book? It, when uh, there was a season where I thought I was going to be an accounting professor and I was working at the University of Washington teaching undergraduate accounting and I was looking to get a doctorate. It didn't last very long, but to get a doctorate in accounting. At the same time, I was teaching the Bible on a Sunday morning. Now, I love accounting. I know I'm weird. I still have books in my off accounting books, and I'll do problems sometimes when I just need to have some fun. <laughs> but I remember Beth saying to me, you know, I see you teach the accounting. I see you teach scripture. She said, your heart beats so much faster when you teach the word of God. Now, why is that? Because I can come back to the same passage over and over and over again, and the Holy Spirit will teach me something new. 
How many times have you heard me say, I have taught this passage so many times over the years, and I've never seen this before? That's the Holy Spirit teaching me. I cannot mind this enough. I cannot read this enough. There's always more that for me to learn. Why? Because it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who is teaching me, who is revealing truth to me, who is showing me what it is that he wants me to see. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who wants me to understand. Because as I read this, what happens? My worldview becomes more like God's worldview. My worldview becomes more like the biblical worldview. And I begin to identify, that's not true. This is true. So I am going to make a difference. And it begins to change the way I see me. I see the world. It changes the way I see God. Do you need that? Man, I need that. Every day I need that. I need to be challenged. I need to be transformed. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he reminds me of everything that Jesus said. Have you ever had a situation where something's going on and all of a sudden, wow, out of nowhere, quote unquote, comes a Bible verse that you had learned at some point? Now, is that my mind? No, it's not because I could hardly remember what happened yesterday. It's the Holy Spirit reminding me in that moment because his word speaks to that moment. Friends, as you obey Jesus and love Jesus, you experience more and more the depth of what this is promising. And then comes this extraordinary promise, the promise of peace. How many of you want more peace in your life? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like universal. I want more peace. I want peace in this world. I want peace in my church. I want peace in my family. I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in our nation. I want peace. We, we hunger for it. But we look to the wrong places for it. Let me describe the understanding of peace biblically. Through faith in Jesus, you have, past tense, you have peace with God. Often when the Bible talks about peace, it's not talking about the emotion of peace. It's talking about peace with God. Now, what does that mean? Peace with God. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. How did Jesus leave peace with us? Well, he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he received your sins, my sins, of all who would believe were poured upon him. So that we believed he made us holy, as I mentioned earlier. And now we no longer run from God. As it says in Hebrews 10, we have confidence now to enter the most holy place. We have confidence now to enter into the presence of God. Now, for us today, that's hard to understand, but I can tell you at the time of Jesus, for a Jew, that was extraordinary. That was probably their favorite part of what God has done for them. We just don't understand it like they did back then. Peace with God. But it's not just peace with God. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you can have peace as you live your life in this world. Now, this is the peace, <clears throat> as it says in Philippians 4, that surpasses all human understanding. This is the peace that has nothing to do with your circumstances in life. This is the peace that never, you never lose because it has nothing to do 
It has nothing to do with what's happening in your life. Finances are challenging. I have the peace of God. Relationships are challenging. I have the peace of God. I'm struggling with, you fill in the blank, I have the peace of God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Jesus says, I love this, peace I leave with you, and then he says this, my peace I give you. Isn't that, did you catch that? My peace I give you. Then he says this, I don't give you as the world gives. What's the world's peace? As long as you're powerful and in control, you will be at peace. As long as everybody's doing what you want them to do, you're at peace. The peace of Jesus has nothing to do with that. The peace of Jesus is there because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God is there because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of what is real, what is genuine, what is authentic, what is eternally true. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You're mine. Jesus says, let me change the way you think. And when he changes the way we think, he changes the way we live. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. When I get anxious or worried or afraid, I try to back it up and understand what's the source of it. And then I say, okay, God, what have you said about that very issue? And what I know is my life is always in his hands, and I belong to him forevermore. We, we grew up in a family that did a lot of sailing over the years. And I want you to imagine with me that you've decided you want to be a sailor. You've never been on a sailboat before, but you're going to be a sailor. So you, you go online, you look up all the articles that teach you about sailing. You even learn how to make a sailboat because you want to understand how this whole thing comes together. So you're busy learning about this, and you make a list of all your questions, and then you go find uh, somebody who has experience as a sailor. You interview them. You interview a number of really great sailors, and you're learning everything there is to know about sailing, and the day has come. The day you're going to take a boat out. So you go down, you rent a boat, and you take the boat, it's in the water, and you hoist the main sheet, you hoist the jib, and you push away from the dock, and nothing. It just sits there. The sails don't fill with wind. The sails just kind of flap. Because what you learn is you can't sail without wind. And only God controls the wind. You see, we can control a lot of things, but I can't control the wind. Only God can decide how the wind blows. Only God can decide how the Holy Spirit is going to impact each and every one of us. Friends, I want to beg of you this morning. I hear people often talk about how fearful they are about what's happening 
in our culture and world today, and for good reason. I mean, you just look at some of the horrific things that are happening. The shootings at Michigan State just a few days ago. The babies who are being destroyed daily through abortions. The war in, the, in, um, in Ukraine. Just the, the incredible evil that exists in our world. Peace in our world will not come because we convince people to think the right way. Only God can change people's hearts. Only God can change people's minds. I can come up with the best arguments in the world, but if people, but people aren't going to receive them. What we need in our nation, what we need in our churches, and I would love to see it start here, what we need is revival. What we need is God to breathe the breath of the Holy Spirit like a wind to blow through our churches. And from our churches to blow through our communities. Through our communities to blow through our nation. Through our nation to blow through the ends of the earth. I cannot cause that. You cannot cause that. But we can ask God to breathe his breath upon us as a church and as a community and as a nation and as a world as we choose to love Jesus by doing what Jesus has commanded. Some of you may have been following this incredible story about what's happening at Asbury College in Kentucky. Anybody been reading about that? They're experiencing revival as they have not experienced it since the early 1970s which, by the way, was the last revival we saw in America. It's the revival that actually brought me to Jesus. It's the revival that's called, often called the Jesus Movement in America, big in Southern California. For as of yesterday, and I think it's still uh, continuing today, for 10 consecutive days, there has been constant worship and movement of the Spirit of God bringing revival to the students at Asbury College. And now it is spreading to other colleges. Other colleges are experiencing the movement of the Holy Spirit, 10 straight days of worship, and it's continued. The students refused to leave because they understood their need. God was doing something unique. I can't create that. You can't create that. Only the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Father and the Son, can bring renewal and revival to our nation. And friends, if this nation has hope, if this world has hope, if our community has hope, it's going to be hope in what God does. So that we then work for, for renewal and change in our world. But we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it through our knees and through our actions. I've been following some of the shootings and what I've seen this sign and probably you have as well. We don't need your thoughts and prayers. We need change. The assumption, and I've heard Christians kind of buy into this. Here's the assumption. The assumption is that our efforts apart from prayer, apart from the work of God, will make an impact. 
it might for a moment, that the kind of change that we need is the kind of change that only God can bring through people who love Jesus as lived out through their obedience by the movement of the Holy Spirit among his people. Friends, I want to challenge each and every one of you to begin today to pray that God would bring revival to our community. That God would, be, would spread this revival that is burning at Asbury College and now is spread to other colleges. That God would spread that like a fire in our nation. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the extraordinary teaching of Jesus. God, thank you that your spirit is our advocate. That your spirit is our comforter. That your spirit is our paracletus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love this nation, that you love this church, that you love this community, that you love this world. But Lord, we know we desperately need revival. We cannot blow the wind. Only you can blow the wind. Lord, blow upon your churches. Blow upon your people in this nation. May we experience repentance. May we experience, first and foremost in our own hearts and lives, may we experience conviction of sin that will lead us to change and then through that change Lord as you breathe your breath innocent through us that the world would be different Jesus we desperately need this in our community our nation and our world we thank you for what you're doing at Asbury we thank you for how this is spreading to other campuses we pray that the fire would not be quenched but that it would spread. Breathe upon us, Jesus, by your spirit. Amen. Amen.